guys, Bacon Williams here in the building. Guys, I just want to say before we get started, I apologize because the audio that came in, I look back and I'm like, Tony from three months ago or whenever we shot this episode, two months ago or a month ago, jeez. So the audio is going to sound a bit rough. Um, I accidentally had some things on the setting-wise wrong, so that ended up uh, creating somewhat of a muffled, distorted sound. However, it doesn't interrupt from the quality of what Brandon is saying, so please don't let that be a distraction. Also, I just want to let, I just, because Brandon episodes today was actually really good. Um, today he talked a lot about coming from a extremely legalistic perspective, and sometimes we're always told that God is about following rules, and if we don't just follow these rules, that's all there is to Christianity, and if we don't adhere to these tenets, then oh well, you just burn in hell. And I think Brandon tackles a whole different dynamic of that and actually goes into further that it, that Christianity is more than just following rules. It's actually a deeper relationship with God. And out of that, we want to be obedient because we love him because he first loved us. And so Brandon really unpacks that dynamic. And I don't want to just warn you now <laughs> that the audio is a bit rough, but it's not incoherent that you can't understand what he's saying and the wisdom that's coming through. So please, guys, um, check out, check it out. I'm glad you guys are here. It's been a while since we uploaded, but I'm glad you guys are in it, and I'm thankful for that. So without further ado, let's dive right on in. Hello, guys. We're back at it. This is the Bacon of Life, and we're so glad to have you here today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Brother Bacon and I, we're here with a special guest. His name is Brandon Barnes. He's like a coordinator for our 20s group or young adult Bible study. He's a wonderful guy. Mm -hmm. um, Joe, anything you got to say about Brandon before we read him his rights? Yeah, he's just been such a big like influence on my life. Just how easygoing he is. It's like this is he's just like changed a lot of my life patterns um, from before I came here to. To chapel and before I came to twenties, like just he sets such an amazing example to all those in twenties, and it's 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 incredible the insight he has for us. Of course, guys, as always, you know before we start off the show, if you like, dislike, or just really interested about the show, please comment, share, subscribe, all the fun stuff. Now, Brandon Barnes, we're gonna read you your rights. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. You are now entering the belly of the booth. Anything you say can and will be used in the making of this podcast. Do you agree? I agree. Let's All right. do it. All right. Without further ado, Brandon, brother Brandon Barnes, elder brother Brandon Barnes, welcome <laughs> to the Bagel of Life. So the question we'd like to ask our guests for the first time is, Joey, take it away for us. What is God doing in your life? Well, thank you guys, and thanks for having me, and... Thanks for the kind words, uh, Joey and Tony. Um, you know, I, I love you guys as well very much. Um, and I love learning from the group and certainly from people sort of going through the life stages you guys are going through. So the fact mm -hmm. that uh, you put this podcast together and it's on your heart to, to share, both share the truth of God's word, but also to bring other people into the fold to sort of share their life experiences and, and their walk with God is mm -hmm. 
is awesome. So keep it up, and thanks for putting all the hard work into this. So uh, the question you guys asked me, what is God doing in my life? You know, it's it's one that in terms of just sort of thinking it through and thinking about it, um, you know, God is good, right? And, and God has brought me to a point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm going to be turning 50 in the next a year, year and a half. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I know I don't look it, but, um, <laughs> and so, you know, really pondering that question, it sort of brought me to just a, an appreciation for the gospel narrative as a whole. And it, it took a little while, honestly, frankly, for me to, to really appreciate, uh, the, the depth and beauty of the gospel. It probably took you know, most of my spiritual formations. And so I thought maybe what I'd do is just kind of walk you through and, and feel free to stop me along the way, but sort of walk you through three things that mm-hmm. have really kind of made a difference um, in my spiritual formations. And for the viewer who is uh, currently listening, he, he brought a list. So we're, we're, we're about to go to, we're about to go to school. So pack a lunch. <laughs> so one of the things that has been true to me um, and probably true to you guys is what's really critical is seeing authentic Christians live out Christ-like behavior, right? And mm-hmm. so when I think about, I use the term spiritual formations a lot because I think we all in various different ways have bumped into people or teachings or philosophies or whatever else that sort of taught us or were instrumental in how we go about thinking about God, right? Yeah. Um, the, the spiritual formations that I was brought up in um, didn't always reflect Jesus first, although I will say that um, I had a, a Christian upbringing. Mm-hmm. So my dad was very Christ-like in many ways, um, my mom as well, but their spiritual formations were really heavy in legalism. And yeah. so mm-hmm. the problem that that sort of generated in my life, at least at a, at a young age, was sort of a misplaced idea of what holiness mm-hmm. was. So um, for the viewers, what is legalism? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. great. So legalism is is anything that we kind of set up or create as works-based righteousness to get to God, right? So mm-hmm. we, we might say, you know, it's great that you're a Christian, but you continue to do XYZ behavior. Maybe it's, in my childhood, it's you're watching certain kinds of movies or you're listening to certain kind of music or whatever else. And those sorts of things, if you don't root those out of your life, will potentially could keep you from the kingdom of God or whatever. Right? Mm. And so, so yeah. tending to, ma- and, and for certain denominations or whatever else, they make certain things more ultimate than others. But right. it's this idea of, of making certain things or behaviors more ultimate than God. Yeah. And so, so in my childhood, there was, there were, Lots of pros and cons in some ways. So I was I was steeped in a in a church that that really put like the fear of God in you first, right? So we they spent a lot of time talking about hell, talking mm-hmm. a lot about um, God's wrath, and uh, so mm-hmm. and in some ways that was instrumental in at least helping me understand why I need the Savior. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And we all need that. So so please don't hear me in saying that. Talking about the truth of hell or the fact that that hell is a very real doctrine in Scripture is wrong, um, but there was a heavy emphasis on that. So as a mm-hmm. child, that that tended in, in spiritual formations that tended to to lend me towards this God to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the reason I bring that up is because 
it was legalism and it was sort of this fear of doing the wrong things and you know living sort of life through the lens of this is right this is wrong if i do this wrong thing it's going to mitigate or or minimize my ability to be with god right or to you know to to get eternal life or whatever else so mm-hmm. so those were those mm-hmm. were that was one thing <clears throat> that in terms of if i if i think of three things that sort of brought me to to what I'm experiencing, experiencing in, in more of the fullness of the gospel, legalism drove me to Christ, um, and okay. so law keeping was this thing that, like, or this fear of doing the wrong thing, it's this thing that kept me paralyzed as a child mm-hmm. to to God. Like it just so at age twelve, um, I, and I remember this like it was yesterday. I'm laying in my bed, and every night before I go to bed, and I know this sounds kind of funny for like a twelve year old kid to like. I, I was. I think now, if I, if I was a twelve-year-old now, I would have been diagnosed with anxiety and all these other things. You know what I'm oh, saying? But I was, I was a super anxious, super insecure child, right? And so I remember laying in bed and just overwhelmed by the like playing through my day. What are the things I did? Well, you know, I, I yelled at my brother. We got this fight. Blah blah blah. I called this person a name, and I take this tally of the things that I did. I did wrong throughout the day, and I remember just laying there like, that's it. It's not good enough. You know, I mean, I'm not going to get to heaven, you know, and, and, mm. and again, a kid can only have those kinds of fears if they're sort of raised in, in that of, environment. In, yeah. These yeah. Sort of spiritual formations were, were really strong. So I remember just going into my dad's room. My dad was like, cause he was a youth pastor. He worked in churches. Great man. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't, but again, he was, he was raised in certain spiritual formations that, mm-hmm. you know, he had emphasis on certain things and he's changed a lot in his life. But I remember sitting on his lap, just weeping like dad, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to make it to heaven. Like I'm, I, every night I have these dreams, I'm going to hell and mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and it was funny because like I said, I hadn't heard the message of grace at this point. I, I'd really just heard hell, hell and you know, the holiness of God and that kind of thing. 12 years haven't, hadn't heard grace. <laughs> no, you know I mean? Like, wow. and, and maybe, maybe, you know I mean? I, I, we went to Awana. Um, there were certain things like hmm. there were verses you hear, but, but as a kid, like you kind of pick up on the things that like your emotional swing is different, you know, and that like it's hard for you to find balance in things like the things yeah. that scare you are the things that like you're stick drawn. harder, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stick harder you're drawn to or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in all fairness, there might have been some of that, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't the predominant teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dad sat me down and I remember him looking at Romans chapter seven with me and he read the passage, and you guys, I know you know it well. It's a, it's a pretty popular passage. Some of your listeners may not. Um, I just want to read the part that, like, really, and again, for a 12-year-old, I got it like that. Like, I, I got this. I got this conflict. Paul says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. And that's how I felt. I'm like, nothing good comes out of me. Like, everything I try to do, good, I can't do, right? Mm-hmm. It says, for I have the desire to do is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do not, uh, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work when I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body of death. And so that, my dad read that, and I was like, that's it. Like, you got the angel and the demon on your shoulder, right? Like, all the cartoons and everything. Like, 
That's exactly how I felt. I felt like I just had this draw. I wanted to do good, but every time I tried, like, evil's right there on the other shoulder, like, kind of pulling me in. Mm -hmm. And I just wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And so, so, and just kind of thinking that through, like, there was this desire to do good, which I understood morality, but then there's this mm -hmm. desire to do, to rebel, which is sin, right? And then I, I, verse 24 is where my life had stopped. What a wretch man am I? That's where I felt like my life was. Like, to that point, that's, that's it. Um, and I think that's, in many ways, that's kind of where our culture stops, does it not? Like, yeah, we, man. we swing between this, like, we're either really moralistic or, or we're terrible. really licentious, or we're you know we're yeah. really rebellious, right? And and we try to make gods in both those camps, yeah. right? And, and they're the, both the same. There's no balance, no. But they're yeah. both legalistic. Yeah. So you coming back to that term, mm -hmm. we're trying to make whatever that thing is we're involved in that we think is so morally righteous, we try to make that our god, or whatever that thing is that's so desirous, um, you know, and like I said, maybe maybe rebellious, we try to make that our god. But on either end of the spectrum, it's legalism, right? And mm -hmm. so. That's kind of where I was stuck. Yeah. And so that brings me to point two, is that, so what God has shown me in my life is that we all tend to make these small g gods, and then we worship those things, and those things become sort of legalism on, on either end of the spectrum. So, so verse 25 is what we need. So in my life, the thing that I've really learned is that you can't, if, if you don't finish this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And then he goes on, and you guys know this, right? Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. So then, I, then my dad unpacked for me this whole idea of, of what Jesus does and how Jesus works and how Jesus operates. And it's not, it's not a little bit of Jesus and works. You know, it's all Jesus. Like he yeah. did it for you. And if mm -hmm. you accept him, if you accept what he did for you, you admit you need a savior. Which is very hard for people to do, right? I and mean, yeah. it's hard for us to admit we need anything, especially in our culture. Yeah. But that weight came off. And I just remember as a 12-year-old being like, how come you guys didn't tell me this part first? <laughs> you know? yeah. How come right. I had to go through all of like this law and legalism stuff before you got to the good part? And and in some ways, like I said, I think it 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 helped bring me to my need. You know, mm. so I don't, I don't, I don't fault it completely. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you got to get rid of religion because it's just put guilt on everybody or whatever else. But my argument's always, we put that on ourselves. Yeah. We yeah. can't get away from our guilt and shame. You know what yeah. I mean? We don't need to just hear about it from the Bible. You know, I can put guilt on you without referencing one passage of scripture. Yeah. And my mom was a, a queen at it. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, our culture does it today, right? <laughs> right. Cancel culture. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a, it's a whole culture dedicated to that. <clears throat> Exactly uh, right. And to add on to your point, too, um, not to interrupt, you know, but um, it's a scripture that says, you know, godly sorrow leads to repentance, right? Mm -hmm. But worldly sorrow leads to death. And so, yeah, like, it, it's okay to feel sorrowful, but it it should be a godly sorrow that pushes you towards repenting. Yeah. Amen. Yep. And and so, point one, legalism drives me to, to, to Christ. Point two in my life. You know, I, I, once I got to who Jesus Christ was and, and confessed my need for a savior, like my, all my, my eyes were open to so much in scripture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like everything about scripture came to life for me. Mm -hmm. It was no longer reading it through the lens of, well, Jesus teaches 
you know, these certain things, therefore I have to do that. It was Jesus taught these things to show us that we could never do them apart from him, right? And yeah. so then I got back to everything reading through Scripture changed because it took away this weight that I used to feel when I'd come to the Bible. And now it became a joy, a source of, of joy and strength and encouragement because I'm reading it going, thank you, Lord, for doing this for me. You know I can't. You know, mm-hmm. you know Christ, Christ as he's going through the beat. We can't do that stuff right. Um, right. without him, without a Savior. So, um, which then brings me to um, my third point. It's not, and, it, and it's not, by the way, it's, it's, it's recognizing grace and recognizing the beauty of that. Um, but it's also recognizing that, like, we've been gifted um, so many things through Christ, right? So we're given yeah. mm-hmm. renewed purpose. Um, mm-hmm. We're given the fruits of the Spirit, right? We're given a community, you know, so we, we enter into this community of Christ and we recognize, like, within the church, we need each other. We strengthen each other. We have the gifts of that. We have the gifts of God's Word. God's word. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the thing that continues to compel me towards anything is grace. So the third thing that, you know, I, I would just say is, is re- God's really shown me in my life is like any works that we do, if they're not motivated by the Holy Spirit reminding us of who Christ is in our life and what Christ has done for us, mm-hmm. it quickly turns into our wanting to take credit for it or our way of doing it to earn something. You know, like if I do yeah. this, God will... God will see me as favorite or whatever else, right? I mean, we, we, we just, we can't get away from in our lives wanting to please and wanting to make other people happy or whatever else. And and so I, I love, you guys ever heard of an author, Phil Yancey? So for your, Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey uh, the name yeah, sounds for, familiar. For any of your listeners, um, if I just throw it out there, oh, a book called this. What's So Amazing About Grace. Um, okay. Highly recommend it. That was foundational to me. In my we'll 20s. link that in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah, link it in the box below. Um, and, and I suspect some of your listeners are, are are aware of it. But that book was was really foundational. Opened my eyes to what a uh, you know how unique Christianity is for something to be baked in Christian or grace as the foundation. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. that can do, and he chronicles all these amazing stories of when grace is applied towards something. Meaning grace, meaning you know, what Christ did on the cross for us, right? Like right. coming to an undeserving people who were antagonistic towards him, who did not love him, who did not accept him, who rejected him at every turn, coming and persisting to die for enemies, right? Mm-hmm. And so to look at evil and replace evil with love, like that whole idea, like, and then how do we do that in our lives? How do we find the evil in the world and then go to those places, because that's what Christ did, right. and replace that evil with love, like reorder it. Right. And find out how do we reorder this? How do we as as the church and the body of Christ, mm-hmm. there's this brokenness in the world. Mm-hmm. How do we come alongside that? We don't run from it. We don't, you know, we don't barricade ourselves because that's what traditionally the church has not done that. You know, the church has gone to the broken and the needy mm-hmm. and then applied, you know, God's love in that place. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. So as far as like community and church, what would you say to somebody who's like hearing this for like the first or, or second or, or third time and they and they they're looking for like a community to plug into? What would you say to them? Like mm-hmm. what to look for and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. So so I think it's really important that first and foremost um, we're in an information age. So like. I always encourage people like find a healthy church and, and mm-hmm. the way you can kind of, in, in my mind, the way you can kind of find a, a healthy church is 
are they transparent about what they believe on their website? (laughs) So if you go and it says what we believe and you click on it and it gives you, you can kind of, kind of walk through the list and, and you see the essentials of the faith listed out there. I think that's really important for somebody just searching. Now, some people searching won't have any idea what those essentials are. Um, So in, in that situation, you know, that's, that's a little bit challenging, I think, like, cause you could, you could have somebody looking for that end up at a church that, you know, is cultic in, in nature or doesn't believe in the essentials of the faith or whatever, mm-hmm. and, you know, they might be steered, but, um, but I, I, Hey, listen, I think, I think step one and, and forgive me for not bringing this up. Step one should be, they should be praying, right? Like, so, yeah. so I no, do, no, no, absolutely. I, I, you know, one of the things I had a coworker one time that, that I spent a lot of time with and he was just like, yeah, you know, I just. I'm kind of lukewarm to the whole idea of faith, and I just don't know if God's there or whatever. And I said, you know what? I tell you what. So why don't you just spend some time? I know it may feel awkward. Why don't you cry out to God? Just see if He answers. You know, just yeah. I, I firmly believe that if you if you say, God, I want to seek you. I want to know who you are. I want you in my life. You know, show me the way. Show me. Show me. I have no doubt that God will, because it says in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that that he will direct your paths, you know, and either bring right. you to someone that a coworker, hey, come to my church with me, you know, there's somebody that you trust. So I think that's that's also an important thing. Start with prayer. Maybe reach out to someone you trust that does know, yeah. you know that 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 is you know a Christian or whatever, and get some mm-hmm. advice from them. Thirdly, you know, look around at websites, make sure it's, they're transparent about what they believe. Um, any anybody that's kind of hiding their stuff on their website, like I'd steer clear of that. I think I think you want transparency. Yeah, I guess one question is, um, I don't know if you know, but uh, and I said it before, but we're in the spiritual section, right? And so people that may be listening, right, come from other faiths, right? Mm -hmm. And this is this is a huge paradigm switch because, you know, coming from someone that has Muslims in their family and Rastas and all these other Mm -hmm. stuff, every other religion will tell you. You do the work, and then you maybe have a shot to be with God, right? Yeah. Christianity, thank God, it flips the whole script on its head where it's yeah. like, no, you were never going to be good enough anyway. Right. So God's going to come down to you. Yeah. Now, now sometimes some people like I still have that broken paradigm even when coming to Christ. Well, what do you got to say to that person that they're like, hey, they're maybe listening to this for the first time. They're like, yeah, they're pretty legalistic. And what would you say to them kind of like? to spur them on towards grace. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, it's always got to start with Jesus. Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, what I, whenever I talk to anybody that, you know, is kind of wrestling with, and, and you, you kind of answered some of your, your own question a little bit in there in terms of like, I would, I would direct somebody to really, um, the thing that's unique about Christ, the, the thing that's really unique about mm-hmm. Christianity is that, it's an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not something you have to do to earn it. There's not something you you have to jump through all these hoops. Um, Christianity is is unique in that it's God who has done the work, and He just invites you in, right? And so, the other thing that I think is really unique about Christianity that I would say in terms of other world religions, um, and it probably doesn't get talked about enough, like in conversation, because it's it's a difficult concept to understand. But is that we we worship a triune God? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the Islamic faith would not would not acknowledge a triune God. No. Um, Judaism would not 
uh, acknowledge a triune God. Um, and many of the world's cults will, you know, that's usually the first thing that breaks down. Like they may claim to be Christian, but yeah. they don't actually believe in the triune God. Um, like oneness. Right. Or, yeah. And, and so the Holy Spirit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's hard, it's not an easy place to start with somebody that's like questioning, but I would do this. So the whole of the Bible begins with God. Right, and mm-hmm. it begins with a God that doesn't create because He needs anything. It begins with a God who creates out of the goodness, overflowing goodness of who He is. Mm-hmm. So we see love in the world, and everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon of love. Mm-hmm. But you got to first understand where love came from, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you can't you can't understand love the way that that we that we have it so deeply and affectionately for another person unless that was somehow given, right? Yeah. Unless it was, it's it's just. It doesn't make sense. I've heard many people say it's, oh, it's evolutionary tactic or whatever. It doesn't, it just doesn't explain love well enough because I might sacrificially give up my life for someone I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that benefit the evolutionary food chain? You know what I mean? Right. I'm doing it outside of my family or my network or whatever else, right? But so put that on the table. But this tri- this idea of a triune God, mm-hmm. that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit needed nothing to begin with. Like, Perfect harmony. C.S. Lewis sort of referred to, to, to refers to the Trinity as like the perfect dance, right? Where they in loving, they're they're the most loving relationship of deferment and submission, knowing their roles, knowing you know that kind of thing. Right. Like like it's it's unbelievable. And they you know it's not a God that says, oh, I'm lacking this, so therefore I'm going to create this and then and then give out of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might see with other uh, Eastern religions um, where. You know, God had to had to have relations with a human being and then have an offspring. And, like, you have all right. these different stories, you know, Greek, Greek mythology, mythology and all that sort of yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. That would demonstrate that there's a God that really wasn't self-contained or satisfied or whatever else and created out of need. Our God didn't create out of need. The Christian That's God right. didn't create out of need. The Christian God created out of fullness. 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 Mm-hmm. And goodness, and then it overflows. So that's the start of the gospel message, right? Wow. Like, yeah. So, so human yeah. beings then are created in the image of God to reflect this this triune God that's beautiful, and so and invited into that triune God. And that's the most amazing part about it, you know. And we had that for a brief time before before the fall. So then, so then, out of that, you get this beautiful narrative of the gospel, which then is like, we had that, we lost it. Right, which explains the brokenness in the world, but it's mm-hmm. God in Christ, like from from Himself, restoring us back into that dance, you know, mm-hmm. to bring us back. And so that's so unique, you know. And and then and then when you really start to understand who Christ is as, as you know, second member of the Triune God, like it's 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 powerful, it's deep. And I think like mm-hmm. as I talk to other people that have other you know other world religion backgrounds or whatever else, mm-hmm. like challenging on that. Like, this is why Christianity is so special. And this is what makes it different from all other religions is mm-hmm. God created out of his fullness. Um, right. And so, therefore, we're the overflow of that. Like, we're made in his image and his glory. We're, we're mm-hmm. meant to be. And it also gives us, like, we should be then, and I know Christians have, have let a lot of people down, you know. So, I think that's sometimes we're our own worst enemy in terms of people wanting to come to Christ because they're like, well, you guys don't care about the environment. You don't care about... Um, you don't care about racial inequality, like you know they they see Christians as sort of this. They they judge them in various stereotypes, like we all do. But at the end of the day, if we were designed by and we know the Creator God, then we know everything has intrinsic meaning. 
and purpose, right? So mm-hmm. therefore, the earth, everything we see around us is meaningful because a God yeah, full of it. meaning and purpose made it. So therefore, yeah. the way we interact with it, we should be setting the example, right? Because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we should be respecting our planet. We should be taking care of it as stewards. You know, we don't worship it, but we take care of it, right? Because right. we know the creator God who created it, you know? And, and so we should be thoughtful about those things. And mm-hmm. we're not always, you know? So anyway, I'm going on. That, that, that even goes with this, with God's people too. How we how we steward his people. Yeah. Um, so so my next thing is you, you hit us with the the Father and the Son. Encourage them in regards to what the Holy Spirit does mm. and what it, and what that what interaction it, with the Holy Spirit is like and how that's so powerful and amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. yeah. So the the Holy Spirit, you know, we uh, we understand is like, you know, the Father essentially initiates. Redemption, the Son comes and, and fulfills, and the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, right? And okay. so that's a word that maybe not a lot of people know either. But when we say when we say sanctify, think of it as like renewing, like it's a renewing process, right? So mm-hmm. the Holy Similar Spirit to like uh, transforming, 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 cleaning something out, right? right? Yeah. Like, like renewing, right. right? Cleaning a cup out, kind of analogy. Yeah, restoring us, right? Yeah, so yeah. so the. That, you know, going back to our original intent, you know, God created us um, out of the overflow of his goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had this, this relationship and, and we had this, we were, we were basically designed to be the pinnacle of his creation, his good creation. And then in that fall, we've kind of, through a long period of time, you know, we've, we've made other things more important than God, right? That's the first sin in, in that was, that it was experienced. So you got pride enters in the world thinking we can discern, we can determine right and wrong ourselves. So we go through a long period of our life, right? And, and humanity now is, has been through many cycles on this planet of thinking that pride is deeply embedded into us. So we need, when we come to Christ, we need a renewing function. We need, we need his spirit placed into us. And and I'm glad you said that because that brings us to Romans chapter eight. Where and and if you if you find that in your Bible, you'll see Romans chapter eight says life through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So Paul's saying, "Man, I wrestled with what I can't quite figure out how to live between right and wrong, and I feel like my my sin in my life is constantly pulling me into these areas I shouldn't be." In. So you have you have this conscience that's constantly pulling you between these two polar places, and then mm-hmm. he says, "I'm doomed without Christ." Christ. Christ. Why? Mm. Like it's just a man, right? No, right. Christ is 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 wholeheartedly unique. He's part of the Triune Godhead. But more than that, he says, Christ imparts to us His Spirit. So now we have this idea of living life in the Spirit. So the beauty of that, and to get back to your question, is he says he says verse nine: You are not controlled by your sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. So what the spirit does is, is we've got these two things that are constantly like tugging at us. You know, the, the idea that we want to judge people, you know, and we want morality to reign mm-hmm. or that we want to sort of live in rebellion. And Paul says, as, as we become saved, as, as we are in Christ, we receive his spirit in us. So we're no longer sin nature sin, he yeah. says we're now spirit nature that's amazing right so yeah. he's mm. he's saying doesn't mean you're without sin right so yeah. that would be a 
you know, that would be uh, another, that's actually another theological fallacy out there that some people do believe that. But it doesn't mean we're without sin. We are still in our flesh. But he says, when you sin now because you're living life in the Spirit, that will feel wrong in a whole new way. It'll yeah. feel like betrayal to the thing that's most true to you. And you'll be tugging, you'll be tugging on that till the day you die, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. So I, I wrote this down. This is the thing. Um, there's this interesting thing that happens with the Holy Spirit. The more holy we become, the less holy we feel. Do you agree with that? The more holy we become, the less holy we feel. Yeah, I feel that in a way. So, so the Holy Spirit, the whole, what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives is not puffing us up to feel like we're better than everybody else. Right. What the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives is showing our dependency and our need for Christ each and every day. Like, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah it brings us slow, hum, like humbling. Exactly. Yeah, right. Don't you feel every day as you become more and more mature in your faith, you see more and more of the little sin in your life that drives you nuts? Yeah. Like you become very aware of it. You yeah. And so when, when as the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and changes us, I think the way that happens is we're constantly reminded of how much we need Christ. So yeah. the Holy Spirit's like this becomes us. And it's not a guilt thing. I don't walk yeah. around hanging my head. I walk around going, thank you, God. For exposing for what you've done to me <laughs> and what yeah. you're doing in my life. And conversely, not allowing me to wave that over someone else because now I see with full true empathy what this other person's feeling. I can empathize yeah. with them. Hey, I've been there. I know what you're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And Here's it's not news. until I met Christ, yeah, yeah. and not until yeah. you know I received this this transforming power of the Holy Spirit in my life that you know I can I can now be set free of that because I know Christ has taken it all to the cross for me. But I'm also living in this perpetual state of like recognizing my need, and so mm-hmm. I think the Holy Spirit's like again, it's not a it's not a lifelong guilt trip. It's because the Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is our friend. The Holy Spirit um, convicts us. And, and when I say convict, guides I mean... Guides us in all truth. Yeah, guides us in all truth. I mean, the Holy Spirit... Convict is one of those words that, like, I think it, translation-wide needs a little help. But, like, convicts us when we put... Um, when we make something more attractive to our hearts than Christ. Right? Yeah. He, like, draws us back to, hey, hey, why, why do you think you need that? Like... Oh, Christ did, but Christ loves you far more than that thing's going to love you, right? So yeah, the Holy like Spirit, your heart. Yeah, the yeah. Holy Spirit constantly reminds you of, like, your need for this attraction to Christ is is much greater than this attraction to other things. Mm-hmm. So I think I answered it in a bunch of different ways in there, but I think at the end of the day, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is important because the Holy Spirit is the thing that brings reminds us every day of our need, of what's been done for us, of our, of our true love and our true affection. And then the other thing that the Holy Spirit does that I think is just, that's blown my mind in my, mm-hmm. my 50 years um, is when we appeal to the Holy Spirit, when, when say you and I are at odds, uh, Tony or, or um, Joey, yeah. if we're at odds, like we can pray to the Holy Spirit in each of us for unification, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not on the same page with Tony. Lord, would, would the Holy Spirit in my life, just align with the Holy Spirit in Tony's life, and would you yeah. bring us to a point where we can understand each other more clearly? Yeah, understand what the other person is saying. Yeah, and let me yeah. tell you, I do that. Me and my wife do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like we'll be button heads, we can't figure it out, and we'll just go to God independently. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Like we need you to join us and bring us together. And many times, what that ends up doing is it brings us both to a place of repentance. 
Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm being really difficult about this. Let's talk. And we don't always end up seeing eye to eye, but we get to a point where at peace that we can be, we don't have to see the same way. Or we do see eye to eye. But I, I really <laughs> believe that's something that the Holy Spirit does. And and maybe it's just the fact that the Holy Spirit brings us to a point of repentance, like recognizing, like, stop looking at him or her to fulfill you. What is Christ telling you to do right now? Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at her. Look at me. And then ultimately that brings you back into a place of like, you know what? I need to, I need I to sacrificially right. love you, you know, in this yeah. situation or whatever else. But Holy Spirit, absolutely critical in, in terms of the role it plays in the unique part of, of again, the Christian belief. Yeah. yeah and I, I think you can agree with this. One of the things that I definitely, that, that I definitely feel with the Holy Spirit to this day is a lot of our pre-Christian life was, was rooted in me, me, me. And it feels like that's what a lot of our, most of our sins rooted in. So that's what the Holy Spirit does is he undoes, and brings us low and undoes the wickedness of, of ourselves yep. and brings us more into his holiness. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I mean, we can't, we can't, again, that, and, and that's why, like, some people in, in our generation really shirk from the word holy, right? Because for them, it's either, especially if they've come up, like, if they're sport, spiritual formations, for instance, for Catholicism, like, they look at holy, oh, you're talking about priest, or you're talking about this person, and look mm. at how they failed, you know? Mm. And so when we talk about personal holiness, that's why I'm like, as a Christian, I think, like, when we start to understand the more holy we become, the less holy we feel. Like, that truth to me, I was like, that's when we really get it, right? Like, that's that's when we're really understanding the gospel. And, and we've talked about this in 20s, you guys, before. Um, mm-hmm. Is the cross getting bigger or smaller? In yeah, time? I was just right. about to mention that. I, I love that analogy. Of the picture. Yeah, I love that analogy. And for your listeners that don't necessarily understand, if you're living a life where you feel like you can achieve your own way to heaven, the cross is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because <laughs> you suddenly don't need a Savior. You're the Savior, right? right. You're your own yeah. Savior. So what do you need Christ for? So the cross is shrinking. But in the life of someone that's really been transformed by the gospel, that's all this that's all this is saying. Like yeah. the longer you live life, the bigger that cross gets. Because you're like, man, it's all there. Like all this junk that I've been dealing with for, for years and I think I get this under control and I meet this person and they bring out all kinds of new anger in me or whatever else. Yeah, like yeah. suddenly you're like, Yeah, you know, thank God for the size of the cross because I would be so in trouble if I had to do this on my own, you know. Um, <laughs> So, so in the life of someone that really gets the gospel, the cross every day is just getting enormous, right? Yeah. And also, you know, if, if you're your own savior, right, that cross is getting little and little. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I think it adds on earlier to the point that you made that the holier we become is when we become less yeah. holy, right? Because yeah. now we, we we take the pride and, and the responsibility off of us. We put it on the shoulders who was meant to carry it, which is Christ. That's why the cross gets bigger. Yeah. yeah to tell him what's the scripture that says he he who humbles himself will be exalted. He exalt he exalts himself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have it in front of me. We'll have um, to throw that in the link. Yeah, in the description. we'll throw it in the link. But I can leave you with a couple verses. And then, yes, sir. Um, and we'll also throw all these verses that Brandon has said before and about to say now. We'll throw them in the link in the description box below. So Brandon, um, that, and before, before, also before sure. we close, I feel the Lord's putting it on my heart. Brandon, are you up for a part two at some point? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. got him booked. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Love talking to you guys. Um, so just a couple of verses that, that you know, um, 
sort of encompass, again, everything that we just talked about. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who And this is the part I love about this verse. Mm-hmm. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul makes it so personal, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I, you know, put yourself in there. If Paul can make it that personal, we can make it that personal, right? Because right. he had this right, right. radical, radical conversion where Christ came to him specifically and he saw the very, he saw firsthand what Christ could do in his life and in his heart. So, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ gave it all to me, you know? And so, right. if Christianity is anything, it's personal. It's mm-hmm. not something that, like, is this esoteric, kind of hard-to-understand, pie-in-the-sky sort of thing. It's extraordinarily personal. And so I love that. I love that second part. The, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Amen. Christ Amen. came, left his heavenly position, came to the lowest of low to restore you, me. Um, and then Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is the other one. By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as not as a result of work, so no one mm. may boast. So it's everything we just talked about. Like we can't take credit for any of this, mm-hmm. right? Even our conversation today, it's you know I, I get so excited about this, and it, and it motivates me in so many ways. Um, and the temptation is, hey, maybe the podcast will blow up, maybe something like. But it's not our. It's not our message, right? Right. This is is the message of the gospel that we've just been entrusted to talk about and be faithful to and live out. So we can't boast about any of it because it's not ours. It's what Christ did, and then it's Mm -hmm. what Christ did in us because of it. And so it's a, it's a huge. It's those two verses um, I come back to all the time. Grace is this gift. Um, I can love and forgive because the ultimate debt was paid for me. The ultimate debt paid for you. Grace mm-hmm. allows us to be givers of more grace, right? And it removes our temptation to be selfish. Like mm-hmm. I said, the, the, it's a gospel motivation for transformation. It's not, I'm going to do this because I think it'll make me a better person. It's Christ Christ did it all for me. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if Christ can forgive, like, you know, the, the grossest things I can think of in my heart, why can't I forgive this other person, or why can't I reach out to this other person? Right? Like, um, yeah, that's the parable of the with the with the master and his servant, right there. Yeah. I can't. I, we'll put that in the description. Yeah, it's and, it's there's. Just a, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, and just to even mention, you know, you mentioned of the grossest things in our heart. Um, for you viewer, you may think sometimes, well, I haven't done anything. Well. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outside, yeah. but God looks at the heart. He knows mm-hmm. the evil thoughts you thought about. He knows, you know, the evil, you know, the corrupted thoughts you thought of, etc. Yeah. So yeah, I I really like that you hit that part at in the heart too. Yeah, yeah. it's it's exactly right. That's yeah. I mean, I I think even like I said, up to zero to twelve, you know, I I reflect back on like I, I wasn't. I wasn't doing anything horrible, but isn't it interesting that I had such strong guilt even for the things I thought, the, the things that I, that I didn't even manifest themselves in actions. They were still there and they were still plaguing me. And, and actually, Martin Luther, you can read, you know, you can kind of read some of his testimonies, like in terms of, of where he was at before he really understood grace um, and how he would torture his body and everything else just for the things he was thinking. Like he knew, yeah. he knew, like, I haven't done these things, but I'm thinking I don't have yeah. executed on this lust, but I think it every day, mm. you know? And so he would whip himself, whatever else, trying to like get that out. 
and so yeah, I think I think we're all unsettled and we all deal with shame and those kinds of things. Um, and for us to you know for us to not stop and consider that, I think it's it's because we live in a culture that's fast paced and we don't want to stop and sit and think about those things. But <laughs> every single person, when they really boil it down, knows deep down, I don't like to be alone with myself. You know. Yeah. By the way, if you want to watch a great show that that's on display, yeah. I don't know if you can do this. Discovery Channel, the show called Alone. Those guys go mm-hmm. out and they have to like try to survive alone in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. for, like, yep, yep. None of them usually break down because they can't survive alone. It's because it's mentally lonely. they can't be alone with themselves. Right. It's, they're lonely. Yeah, they're lonely. And many of them have come to this point where they're like a breaking point just because like I can't handle being with myself anymore. And I hmm. just find that so fascinating. And, and there's there's a number of them that have like appealed to some level of spirituality by the end of that show because they're like, <laughs> God help me. Like... How do I save? They're where Paul is. I'm a wretched yeah. man. How do I save myself? You know. Yeah. So, anyway, I'll stop talking. Nah, nah, it's all good. So, so real quick, any uh, any closing thoughts before uh, before part two and before we close the prayer? Yeah. Any last closing thought for like a minute? Because you know yeah. everybody likes our show, so we want to make because the whole world may be listening. So we got to make sure. No, I, I don't. I don't have any other closing thoughts other than you know sort of what what we talked about, just the fact that. You know, if I was going to summarize it all, you know, mm-hmm. you're asking what's God doing in my life. It's He's revealed to me my need. Yes. Right? Um, he's met that need in my life in Christ. And it's through the power of, of the Holy Spirit in my life and, and that transforming nature of grace that, like, I go forward every day. You know, I'm, I'm just as discouraged with certain things in the world that are happening, but I'm constantly, like, renewed by the power of, of this idea of hope and, and redemption and mm-hmm. whatever we can do guys in our, in our small parts of the world to bring redemption into those situations, to look and go, this thing's broken. How can, how can love overcome evil in this situation? You know, and we don't like to use that word term evil all that much in our culture, but like at the end of the day, how do we, how do we take this thing that seems broken and replace it with good? You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. what would that look like and how would, how would that look in Christ? Um, those are the things that that matter to me now in the whatever however many years I got left in my life. So, all right, Brandon, you want to close them out in prayer? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to. Anyway, brother, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, your saving grace for um, the very personal personal nature of Christianity, Lord. Um, that you didn't create because you needed anything. You created. Lord, out of the overflow of your goodness and your love. And sometimes that gets lost uh, in, in our lives. Sometimes uh, we look around at the brokenness in our world. We look in, in Scripture uh, without a trained eye or without really understanding the love in the Scripture. And, and we see God in a, in a wrathful or vengeful way. Uh, Lord, would you transform us? Help us to see, uh, Lord, the perspective that you have and, and your love, your great deep love for humanity and that, and that you created uh, out of your goodness. So it was never with an ill intention for us, Lord. And, and the sooner we get back to you and restore that relationship, it restores all of our other relationships. And so I just pray uh, for those listeners who are listening that are, are maybe really wrestling with uh, these big ideas and these concepts, um, that, Lord, they'd uh, reach out to Tony and Joey and thank you for their faithfulness and for the work they're doing with this show and the program and their heart and their intentions. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would honor and bless that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, again, if you like what you heard in this episode, 
Um, again, we're going to put the verses in the description box below. We're going to also put that chart diagram that Brandon mentioned in the description box below. We're also going to indeed put um, the book that you also referenced. What's so amazing about grace? Philip Yancey. Yeah, yeah. we'll also throw that uh, the link in the description for that as well in the box below. And um, also we'll be putting out some um, some charities that we got going on with Malta and a couple other ministries that um, do work with the homeless and others. So please check those out in the description. Guys, we love you and we thank you so much for having us. And if you had if you have any questions about what you heard today, please comment. Please leave them in the comments. Yeah. Without further ado, let's dive out. Yeah.